Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Jeff Griffin. Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, stories of inspiring achievements and community contribution. Every week, we will celebrate an award program category winner or finalist. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know that Australia is in good hands. Together with our corporate partners and not-for-profit partners, Awards Australia showcase ordinary people from right across Australia doing extraordinary things. If you enjoy hearing the stories of our inspirational Australians, please subscribe, rate us and review us. We'd really appreciate it. My guest today is really passionate about youth health issues, youth empowerment, community engagement and social inclusion. Jahin Tanvir was a finalist in this year's Freemasons of New South Wales ACT Community Service Award, part of the Seven News Young Achiever Awards for his significant contribution to making a difference in the health field. It's such an honour to have you on the podcast today, Jahin. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Being in the health industry is very topical over the last 18 months, isn't it? When people are suffering quite significantly mentally and physically. Certainly very evident, very evident, certainly at the awards night, when you were very passionate about youth health. What initially led you in the direction of youth health? Absolutely. I think from a very young age, I've always been very you know, passionate and inclined towards the healthcare system. Um, you know, the way, way I was raised um, as a migrant moving to Australia, my parents have always, you know, valued the healthcare system, uh, GPs, allied health centres. And from that, you know, the way that that was perceived, I always had this, um, you know, inner desire to be a part of them, to be an individual who provides that patient-centred care. I was very fascinated about how, you know, you could go somewhere and somebody would use their knowledge and expertise to really diagnose you and provide you with treatment. And so I think that has been something um, that has pushed through the years that I've grown up in. And when it comes to youth health, um, I think as a young person of colour growing up in um, Australia, you know, there's a lot of issues that are really unheard. You know, a lot, there's a lot of communities, a lot of young people who have issues such as mental health um, and, you know, just overall chronic illnesses, which aren't really being taken into consideration. You know, we have this, you know, one shoe size fits all mentality. And I think seeing that from a very young age, I was always like, I want to do something that really, you know, facilitates that discussion and creates productive dialogue in that degree so that I can possibly, hopefully, potentially create change in that uh, sphere as well. Yeah, Uh, very commendable and so, so important, as we say particularly in these current times that we're faced with. You were selected as one of 10 young leaders in Australia and represented the ACT, of course, at the Consumers Health Forum. What did that involve and what was the aim of the forum? So that involved um, where essentially 10 young leaders, as as that was the the title, um, from around Australia were chosen to come together to form a collective group that would advocate and also elevate the needs of young people when it came to Australia's healthcare system. So essentially we work with different primary health networks, 
the Department of Health and, you know, writing Senate inquiries, creating events, bringing different young people, not only from metro cities, but, but also regional um, rural areas and just bringing that together into one place. I feel like when we need to have discussion, we need to have all these diverse perspectives into one place. And what Consumers Health Forum or CHF does is that it brings together all of our different perspectives and our networks and, you know, the influences that we've been able to gather over the years and really bring us together and, um, you know, write recommendations for the government, for instance. I think that was the main thing that we focused on in 2020. We wrote a lot of Senate inquiries about the vaccine rollouts, about young people's, um, you know, the impact of young people and how COVID has, you know, come into that fray, discrimination, um, how that's increased quite exponentially when it came to COVID, um, homelessness. So these are all topics that we've, you know, really covered and brought all our diverse perspectives together. And as someone representing ACT, even though it's probably the smallest um, area or region compared to the other states, I feel like it is still very crucial because obviously it's the capital, but also there's a lot of young people and a lot of diverse perspectives from, you know, Canberra and, you know, the greater ACT where these health issues aren't really being talked about. Like, for instance, when it comes to um, mental health in multicultural communities, that's an aspect that I don't think is spoken about enough as it should be because it's just so many people suffering in silence, taboos, stigmas, these things, you know, pushing people back and really making them suffer. So that was an element that I brought into the fray as, you know, as a first-generation migrant. So I think at the end of the day, CHF is doing what should be done in bringing diverse perspectives together in one communal hub. Yeah, well, I think sometimes the smaller the community, the harder it is to feel open to talk about your, uh, your health issues and so on. We can feel the pressure of all the, our peers around us and the smaller the environment, the more we know people or feel that people will hear our story. And yeah. I feel like yeah, and every individual is worthy and important, doesn't matter how big or small your community. So earlier this year, you also received the Young Canberra Citizen of the Year in Individual Community Service. That must have been a real thrill. And how has that benefited you, do you think? Um, you know, that was obviously a massive honour to have received something um, of that accolade um, at such a young age. But I think for me, it was just, for, I just took that as like a testament of what I'm doing is in the right direction, what I'm doing. I'm on a pathway that I set out for myself when I first moved to Canberra. Um, and it's something that I feel like it's just more than a recognition. It was more so, um, it was just, it was like an acknowledgement that what I was doing was right, what, what, what I was doing was making the impact. So obviously it was, like you mentioned, quite thrilling to receive and be nominated in the first place for an award um, of that calibre. But, you know, it just really made me feel like coming into Canberra as a you know naive 18-year-old uh, moving for university and not knowing anyone in the city um, and to be able to create a network and create an impact that I, you know, was hoping for and was you know had the ambition for um you know it was just a testament that you know hard work does pay off being perseverant um putting all your effort determination into one um sector or passion project or you know area of you know where you want to improve i think it does pay off so i think that was just a really big indication for me that this is working and this is something i 
plan to pursue as I get older, parallel to my other, you know, studies and projects and passions as well. So what are your other studies? Um, so I'm currently a third year ophthalmology student at Canberra. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, well, it all, all fits nicely in with your um, <laughs> your passion for youth health, doesn't it? And certainly health uh, going well, is it? Yeah, but it's quite content heavy. I think that was the main thing, trying to balance everything um, has been the greatest challenge. But, you know, we're in the third year now, so slowly getting through. How many years? It's a total of five years. Five. Wow. Yeah. Are you, um, you've been in Sydney for work and, of course, you got stuck in lockdown in Sydney. That must have made it uh, difficult for you as well. Yeah, I think the whole idea of moving back and forth between Sydney and Canberra, you know, it is tiring, but when you have, you know, things and factors, external factors like lockdown, you know, it just makes life a little more difficult, but, you know, we have to accept it and adapt and move on. So trying to do the best I can. <laughs> and our hearts certainly were with everybody in New South Wales for the significant issues, uh, COVID issues that are being faced there. Being from Victoria, we can certainly appreciate and understand how difficult lockdown is. So our hearts certainly were there with everyone. And uh, you know, it's, a, it's a real tragedy how so many lives are affected, both from a health and financial and mental health perspective. Jaheen, you're also a volunteer for the Wellbeing, Health and Youth Commission. Uh, what's the aim of the commission and what's your role? So similar to the CHF role, the Wellbeing, Health and Youth Commission essentially brings together, again, 20 young people um, who have a passion for health research or medical research and really creates the bridge between you know, the, the researchers and medical research or health research that's been taking place at universities and how to make it accessible for young people. So oftentimes when it comes when we see research in the news, for instance, or articles, it's very confusing. There's a lot of jargon. There's a lot of, you know, research terms um, that anybody trying to, you know, gain more knowledge on that subject will probably struggle to understand. And especially young people who are obviously you know, care about their health care, about um, improving their health and well-being, it's quite a struggle and it's a gap that is increasing, you know, every year when more research is being put out. So essentially, Wellbeing, Health and Youth Commission tries to mitigate that gap of, of the lack of understanding and really say, hey, these are young people, um, can we get them part of the process? Can we get them co-designing these research um, methods or the research that's taking, being taken place? so that they can take that research, translate it in a way that anybody can understand and really increase the importance of research done by universities on these, you know, quite valuable topics such as, you know, COVID, um, young people's health, chronic illness, uh, mental health. So I think that's, you know, volunteering for that project has been, you know, something I find quite invaluable. It was actually one of the first few projects that I got involved with once I left um, high school. And, you know, just seeing how, you know, young people are able to change research agendas and just co-design and really say, hey, this is what I think should be changed so it becomes more accessible. And seeing researchers, professors from universities um, actually take into that, you know, that mindset and take that into consideration and really, you know, accommodate for young people and also the general public. You know, I think that was 
insanely rewarding to see. And I think more research uh, should include young people and also diverse people so that, you know, we can communicate what's being, you know, researched so that, again, we can have like a collective um, benefit from um, all, all these things that are being, you know, pro propagated because at the end of the day, research is what progresses society, progresses um, the knowledge and, you know, really challenges the obstacles that we're going through. So um, creating that co-design and creating that bridge is essential. And I think, you know, that's something we're being helped with. Uh, commission is doing very powerful stuff do you think um there are too many young people out in the community who think that health is not going to be an issue for them you know they're a little bit invincible yeah i think in every community you'll find some people who are more conscious about you know their health um whereas you'll find um other groups of people or young people who aren't as conscious but I think it just comes down to the lack of education. Um, if you've grown up in an environment where health is the priority and you're you know, always told to improve and create strategies to um, benefit your health, you'll have those individuals you know, um, influence their community, influence their peer groups, their friends, circles, and you know, become more conscious. Whereas if you don't have an environment or you weren't you know, fortunate enough to have an environment that you know, prioritised health, um, as a you know hallmark in life, you'll obviously have individuals growing up um, and as they become older from a young young age, you know not really you know giving enough credit to health. So at the end of the day, I think it comes to education and raising more awareness rather than saying you know if it is something that's more inherent. Um, so I think just environment plays a massive factor in that. You're also a founding member of the Health Literacy Advisory Council at Youth Action New South Wales. And uh, also, of course, a Young Advocates Collective, also on the Young Advocates Collective. Can you tell us more about them? Yeah, so I think that all of these you know, involvements, um, such as the Health Literacy Advisory Council um, and the Young Advocates Collective, all align with you know, the goal that I have when it comes to being involved in youth-led organisations where young people are given you know, the capacity to create change and create formidable change. Um, especially with the Health Literacy Advisory Council that um, was you know, created in 2020, you know, in the middle of um, lockdown, in the middle of COVID. And it really allowed us to, you know, increase health literacy um, in different communities and really put us in the driving seat of saying, these are the communities that are being affected. This is my experience. This is my lived experience of being in these communities. What can we do to change? And I think having these voices heard, um, through different events, through different online meetings. And I'm, I'm a, you know, recollect we've had um, monthly meetings, but also with the amount of passion that these groups bring, we've had like um, fortnightly meetings that we, you know, wasn't originally planned for these groups. So just seeing that passion ooze through from the people that are involved um, when it comes to health literacy, um, with the Young Advocates Collective, a lot of it comes um, from youth empowerment, getting young people um, participating in the political process as well. Um, so just that com combination of, you know, passionate young people and just being around them and creating change that's, you know, very evident in our environment um, it has been something, you know, I, I find immensely rewarding because we can see that what we're doing, what we're trying to do with each of these meetings are actually creating change and we're seeing those ripple effects that, we're, that our actions are creating and I think that's what sustains um, a lot of us young people 
in this you know youth advocacy sector because we're seeing the results of what we're of what we're saying of what we're you know working towards and and I think that's the beauty of these um, you know councils and collectives. Yeah, I imagine everybody that comes together for these collectives and for these uh, these opportunities would be very very keen to support and put forward their views and their ideas uh, to help the overall. Uh, I guess collective ideas about you know how to go about doing things better. You're quite a range of passions, and I know you're also a youth ambassador for the Multicultural Youth Affairs Network. Tell us about clearly your uh, passion for social inclusion and social justice. Tell us about how you get more involved in that, and what's you know what's on your agenda in terms of what you would like to see done better. So I think my my passion for social inclusion really comes from my own lived experience. Um, obviously, as a first generation migrant, as a young person of color moving to Australia um, in two thousand two, you know we go through so many different um, obstacles. Um, you know, experiences of racism, discrimination, and then as you get older, the imposter syndrome: Am I good enough? Do I have an identity? So all these factors, whilst growing up, has always been on my mind, and I think. When it comes to inclusion, as I you know get older, as I you know become an early career professional and go through those stages of having a career, you know there there are many things that I notice um, already in university. Also, hearing from other um, you know multicultural communities that you know there is a massive gap that still exists from young people of color or people of color from actually feeling like they fit in, feeling like they contribute, feeling that they're part of an organization. So I think as part of um, Multicultural Youth Affairs Network and other multicultural organisations. My ambition has always been to just push through that agenda that you know we do have an identity. That you know even though we come from a different country, that we have different skin colour, we may speak a different language at home, we still have the capacity to contribute, make change, and really catalyse you know a ripple effect from what we're you know passionate about. And for instance, um, with the Youth Ambassador Program at Mayan, you know, they're really focused on giving us a voice, sharing opportunities. Um, I've had so many media opportunities, speaking um, opportunities via Mayan through their recommendations at different conferences at different universities. So I think it really, you know, being part of these communities really gives me that platform that otherwise I probably wouldn't be able to find on my own. And, you know, having a body like Multicultural Youth Affairs Network really gives me that opportunity to, you know, say, this is what I'm passionate about, this is what I have to say about it. And, you know, grow through that, in, improve public speaking, for instance, um, improve how I communicate with diverse perspectives, how I improve um, empathy when it comes to these different individuals. You know, at, even though I am a first-generation migrant, there is still a lot for me to learn as well because my perspectives um, are very different from other perspectives as well, from people that moved to Australia. So learning from other people, having that community, having that place to just be myself and really find my identity, I think that's a key element um, and the reason I you know, continue to volunteer for multicultural organisations parallel to everything. Yeah, multicultural youth uh, play a massive role in our communities and are so important. I, I think back to the South Australian Award programs each year where we have Multicultural Youth SA who sponsor an award and I love, love, love hearing the stories of people who come to Australia 
and integrate. They have a passion to make a difference for their own communities, but also to integrate into Australian culture and way of life and to really make a difference. And I love hearing that. I love hearing that people embrace their own culture. They continue that, of course, but they also embrace uh, a, a new way of life. So often you hear how thankful they are for Australia and what opportunities they're given and they want to just get in and make a difference and bring other people from their cultures and all cultures uh, into the Australian way of life so that they have the best opportunity or uh, opportunities that are out there for them. I get horrified and saddened when I think that there are still people who discriminate, who bully, uh, and that um, people who come from a, you know, an ethnic or multicultural background feel like imposters. I think that's, and I, I think that feeling probably comes from that bullying and discrimination. And I just find that terribly, terribly sad in you know, 2021 that we still have to face those issues. I think what you're doing for young people uh, and all people uh, is so powerful, both in the health and the multicultural uh, space. So all power to you. I think it's absolutely brilliant. You, um, you're doing great work and anybody and everybody in your space contribute far more than you can know. Now, you, um, you clearly don't have time to sleep because you also volunteer for Oak Tree and at the Canberra Blind Society, and I guess there's a link with your studies for the Blind Society, but what led you to these fantastic organisations that also, you know, make a contribution as a little bit left of field uh, of the things that we've talked about so far? Yeah, well, first of all, sleep is something my mum continuously, you know, tells me about to improve <laughs> Um, so that's a massive work in progress. But I think with Oak Tree, and again, being a youth-led organisation, the reason I you know, really was pushed towards an organisation like this um, is because, again, it's youth-led. It's completely youth-led. Everybody's under 25, I believe. So having that community where I can really say, this is you know, what I believe in, this is what I, these are my values, this is what's affecting young people, let's work together. And I think that communal, collective struggle that is found in organisations like Mayan, Oak Tree, um, it really just, you know, feels like home to a degree because when I moved to Canberra, you know, I didn't know anyone. I had no family, no friends, no social media links or references. So having these youth organisations to really, you know, find my feet, for instance, as an 18-year-old, um, it really allowed me to just network, you know, have things to resonate with um, other young people and really build quite, you know, long-lasting friendships and bonds. Um, and then similar with Canberra Blind Society, like you mentioned, it's it aligns with my passion in healthcare sector, but also the eye care service, um, you know, while studying optometry. So I feel like being able to give a few hours to the people that are vulnerable with their eye care um, is something I feel is, you know, my responsibility. If I want to become a healthcare professional as an optometrist, I feel like it is my responsibility to really go out there and really see the patients rather than focusing so much on the books and, you know, the clinical studies, that who are the people I will be treating, hopefully, um, and getting that experience and insight. So that's, you know, my main motivation as part of Canberra Blind Society. I think uh, lucky 
clients or customers or patients, whatever you call them, that come and visit you when you're qualified and you have your own practice or wherever you're working because you certainly and really care. So uh, I take my hat off to you and uh, yeah, acknowledge your, your enthusiasm and passion. Just going back to when you were nominated for the Seven Years Young Achiever Awards, what was your initial reaction to being nominated? Oh, well, I was completely, you know, blown away. I was very unexpected to get that email just to just to be nominated um, in the first place. I, I heard about the Seven News Young Achiever Awards, I think, I think last year, middle of last year. Um, but at that time, we were in lockdown. I was just like very focused on my, um, you know, studies and all these projects. But to you know, get the email that I've been nominated and then get, you know, the email a few weeks later that, you know, I was a finalist and to have all those photos and, you know, all these things, it was just, it was just, again, more so than recognition, it was an acknowledgement that, you know, I I felt more fulfilled because I felt like I was making an impact. You know, seeing people recognise your work is obviously amazing, but to just know deep down that these awards or these invitations really say that, you know, what you're doing is right, you're on the right path, you know, it just, you know, it really does fulfill me. And so it was obviously very surreal, but, you know, I felt very honoured and humbled by it. Yeah, people like yourself don't do what you do for, a, you know, recognition, but at the same time that validation is really important to understand that we are appreciated and even more so, that, as you say, what we're doing is important and that we are on the right track people respect what we're doing and appreciate it so yeah I think you're you're right uh having made the finals as you say in the Freemasons of New South Wales ACT award what were the highlights uh of the event itself do you remember well I think as soon as I left the event the main highlight that I was telling my friends and my peers about was the conversations that I had um, especially with the other young leaders. Um, you know, everybody is obviously so young and to have done so many things and being nominated, being a finalist and being winners, you know, just being able to go around to different tables. Um, and even when we're, you know, taking photos, just to say, hey, this is my story, what's yours? And just to have that, you know, two or three minute chat, even if it's just um, introducing each other, I think that was, you know, phenomenal to just have a a an event or a hub where we can just go and talk to each other about the struggles and, you know, the challenges that we had, but then evidently how we were able to overcome that um, through our different, you know, organisation uh, organizations, um, projects and different initiatives. It really just made me feel like that I wasn't alone because a lot of the times when you're involved in so many things, especially as a young person when stereotypically your focus, you know, has always been to obviously have fun and you know, enjoy your youth. It can be quite isolating because you feel like, you know, am I doing enough? Am I the only person here? Um, is it enough? Is am, what I'm doing is it enough um, for myself and the people around me? And just to have young people there to just have a conversation, a discussion, a dialogue with, um, I think was just the highlight of my year essentially. Um, and I hope that we can have more events like this and just meet. Um, all these other amazing young people and just follow their journeys. Uh, we've connected with a lot of young people after that on LinkedIn, for instance, and just seeing their journeys every month is just, you know, fantastic. And I, I can't wait to see where everybody goes from here. 
Yeah, brilliant. There's so much power and energy in the room, as you say, with so many young people all coming together from across industries, all walks of life, all with a common cause to make a difference in the world. So that's it's really great to hear. And a big shout out, a shout out to Freemasons, to uh, Stephen, the general manager, and uh, everybody at Freemasons. They really are an extraordinary organisation, and their whole mandate is to make people better versions of themselves and to make a difference in the community. So we're very thankful for them to sponsor the Community Service Award to give people like yourself the opportunity to be acknowledged. And it's a great validation for all those that you're involved with as well, not just for you, and it's not just for the other finalists, but it's for everybody. It's for the parents, it's for colleagues, for everybody. And uh, we also thank the Premier, who's a terrific supporter of the awards, and she has been instrumental in providing funding to help ensure the awards continue. So uh, it's a tough time for the government, but uh, we're very thankful to them as well. Well, the awards search for nomination starts very, very soon again, and uh, I'd like to encourage all of our listeners to nominate someone they know because they like Shahin can really benefit uh, from that validation of nominating someone and to nominate someone gives you a real sense of pride and worth as well. If any of our uh, listeners would like to find out how to nominate someone or even more about uh, sponsor opportunities, then drop me an email at jeff at awardsaustralia.com. That's G-E-O-F-F at awardsaustralia.com or check out our awardsaustralia.com website. So, Jahin, what's a, a fun fact that we might not know about you? Well, fun facts are always a question that I've always dreaded because it, it's just like, <laughs> what's fun about me? <laughs> um, I don't know, actually. I think parallel to all these things, I'm a massive sports fanatic. Um, so sports and is something that I've always liked. But also something I think is a little weird. I'm also a massive uh, poetry nerd, so I love poetry. And oftentimes I like to connect to both things. So, for instance, when I'm at the gym, for instance, I'm listening to spoken word. When I'm in the cricket nets, for instance, I love playing um, poetry um, just to get into that zone. And a lot of people find that weird, but I think that might be a bit of a fun fact because it's just it's just something that I feel like is just for myself to combine these two completely, you know, completely opposite dynamics, but really bring them together in that sense. So I'm trying to get a picture here. You're in the nets. You've got your helmet on. You've got your earphones in. You're about to face all sorts of bounces and all sorts of things, and you're listening to poetry. It keeps me at peace. Rather than having that nerves of just playing music loudly, it's just it keeps me in one, you know, headspace. And I think more people should try it. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to have to give it a go. What type of poetry? Is there a specific type? Um, I think just anything to be spoken word. So a lot of the things that I'm very passionate about is identity. So I love hearing poetry about identity, people's cultures, um, that whole journey through different cultures and those struggles. Um, and obviously there's a lot of beautiful spoken word individuals on um, who are very accessible on Spotify. 
Um, so I definitely uh, recommend for anybody who's willing to try something a bit out of their comfort zone. Very cool. All righty, well, we'll have to give it a go when we're facing that uh, the bouncer or um, take a specky over the top of someone uh, in footy or about to get uh, jumped on in a rugby scrum or whatever it is. <laughs> Recite your poetry. So what's the driving passions that makes Jahin tick? Well, I think my driving passion from a very young age has always been, um, you know, as, again, I keep coming back to this, but it's always been the identity, you know, as somebody who's moved to Australia, as somebody who's always looked different, spoken differently, um, it's always been something in me that made me want to become a role model for other migrant kids, other refugee kids, you know, other young people of colour to say that, hey, if he can do it, why can't I? Why can't I do it better than him? So I think just having, you know, that position where I'm able to create change but also show, you know, people younger than me or people or, or my fellow peers that no matter your identity, no matter the colour of your skin, no matter the challenges that you've been through, you still have the capacity to make change. It's all about you know, creating actions and, you know, ensuring that your values are reflected from, you know, your actions. And, you know, again, that's something that has driven me throughout high school and something that's continued to drive me, you know, as I make my way through university. And I hope that will continue to drive me as I make my way throughout life and my career as well. Well said. There must be times when you run out of energy and it all gets too much. You can't think of any poetry. Uh, you know, you're feeling low. How do you help reset, bounce back and recharge yourself? Well, I believe my main, um, you know, path that I've taken when it came to, you know, re-energising myself and recharging has always been having a good support system. You know, my friends and my family, people closest to me. Um, you know, I feel like they're the most, they're the people that are most honest with me. They're never going to say something where it's like just for the sake of it or to make me happy. They'll say everything truthfully uh, as I see it. So just going back to them, you know, spending time with friends, going going out somewhere, you know, watching a movie. I think social that social aspect or just being vulnerable with people, I think, is something that always helps me balance back. Even if it's for a few hours on a Friday night, it really does help. And I think more and more people should invest into having a very good support system because I feel, I feel like it's invaluable. And, you know, meeting people who can resonate with you and actually listen to you um, and also on, on, on the occasion just have fun, just have, you know, mindless fun, I think is just, you know, something I find very valuable and just keeps me um, energised and, you know, like you said, be able to uh, reset myself as well. Yeah, I think that's very, uh, very valuable words something we need something or someone certainly support network but if there is no one there at that particular time find something that helps take you away from whatever is causing you stress or grief or whatever it is all else fails there's always lifeline and other organizations that are available to uh, to listen and that's what they're there for they're very happy keen to help should we need but certainly talk to someone I was talking to someone a few weeks ago and they were saying for them the reset is having a hot shower or having a shower because it's just an opportunity for them to say, well, this is it, I'm resetting. I'm just going to enjoy the moment, have a 
chance to reflect and think. But whatever it is for us, I think you're right. It's just really important to do that, that for our mental health. So what's next for Jahin? Well, I think what's next, I don't really like to think too much in the, into the future, especially with 2020, what it's shown that, you know, no matter how much you plan, no matter how much you schedule, there will always be external factors that really, you know, hinder, you know, your progress. So I think at the moment, it's just taking every day as it comes, you know, continue to work with these organisations that have, you know, given me so much and so that I can continue to give back to my community hopefully continue to make an impact um, obviously eventually graduate and become a healthcare professional but also aim to not only be stuck in that mindset of that this is just my occupation this is what I'm going to continue to do for the rest of my life but also continue the culture of you know I want to do more than just what's expected what's expected of a nine-to-five you know career professional I want to continue doing you know community work continue you know speaking to different um, audiences um, you know really show that you're capable of more than just your day job and I think that's a that's a culture that I'm hoping to continue as I get older and um, really you know hope to flourish and you know teach other young people that you know it is possible no matter where you come from it is possible if you just put you know actions to words yeah definitely you've already given us plenty but do you have any other words of wisdom or some advice? For our listeners, <laughs> um, I think the one phrase that I, I think I've mentioned in this um, podcast uh, episode as well, and I have it written on my wall as well on that side, um, is action cures fear. You know, we always overthink so many things before we do something. We always overthink getting out of our comfort zone. We always fear everything, um, and we have this connection with ourselves, with other people. But what I've realized is instead of having that conversation, those negative self-talk, um, just actually doing and acting on, you know, your passions and what you plan to do, it really takes all that fear away. Um, and it's it's quite, you know, cathartic, cathartic where it's like you feel like you can't do it, but once you actually start doing it and you're part of the process, everything just comes together. And so I think that's something I'd love to leave the listeners with, that, you know, action does cure fear. We have so many thoughts, but I think if we just, translate that into action and really you know act on our passions our ambitions and our goals you know eventually everything does come to place it's just about taking that first step 100 percent. that's fantastic advice one step at a time is so important you're quite right because we do we get caught up in the big picture and how am i going to get there when you're right it's not that hard if we just step out one step after the other. I love that. There been many a time when people said, heading around the country, and I'm very blessed to be able to travel around the country every year to all of the awards nights, meeting extraordinary people, uh, both through the judging process and then, of course, at the in-person at the awards nights. What's the, uh, what's the one thing that I see in young people that stands out to me? is the question I'm asking. I think it's the lack of fear. It's the ability to tread where angels fear to tread. And in other words, not to worry about failure, but to have a go, to see the need for change or the need to achieve something and just have a go at doing it. We learn as we get older to fear failure. We're constantly told by people, you can't do that. That'll never work. That won't happen. 
people won't listen to you about that or whatever it is. Uh, I think there's a lesson there for all of us, no matter what our age. Uh, be brave and step out. A uh, famous marketing guru by the name of Paul McCarthy teaches ready, fire, aim. You're never going to be perfect. Get to a point, sure, do your homework, but then step out in faith. So, Jehim, where, um, where can our listeners connect with you online or get involved in some of the things that you're doing, should they wish? Well, I think the first place could be LinkedIn. Um, if you would like to connect or send a message about how to get involved with a lot of these organisations, um, you can definitely just search my name up on LinkedIn. Um, my name's quite unusual, so you wouldn't be confused with anyone else. So feel free to connect or just send a message via LinkedIn. Um, you know, other than that, um, you know, you can find me on social media. Um, again, my name's quite unusual, so it won't be difficult. Um, so yeah, feel free to just send an e- uh, send an email, send a you know a message if you would like to get involved with any of these organisations that we spoke about, or just you know have a chat. I love meeting new people. Um, like you mentioned here, conversation is something that really powers me up. So um, if you do have any um, interest from any of the listeners, please do feel free to reach out. Perfect. Well, Jahin, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. You're an absolute inspiration powerhouse. Thanks so much for sharing some of your story with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, I hope everybody listening has enjoyed hearing Jahin's story today. Until next week, please remember, be kind and together we make a difference. I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I have. We would love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. Did you know that Awards Australia is a family-owned business that proudly makes a difference in the lives of those that make a difference? for others. And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our award programs possible. Do you know someone that's making a difference? Or maybe your business might like to sponsor an award. Contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, awardsaustralia.com. It would be great if you could share this episode with your network, because who doesn't like a good news story? And please rate and review us. We would really love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.